It's John, a cut above horror review, episode number 76, holiday horror month. Yeah, we're continuing on this month and our uh, fearless leader, Jacqueline, under the weather today, but she'll be back next week. So we're bringing on a very special guest from our friends at Straight Chillin' Podcast. Bob will be here to help us discuss from 2019, The Lodge. You may have heard of this movie. Yes, it is a Christmas movie. So kick back, relax, put those snow boots on, heavy coats, because we're talking about The Lodge from 2019, episode 76 of A Cut Above Horror Review, right about now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. Tonight we'll be, we'll be reviewing The Lodge from 2019. But first, I want to introduce our special guest, Bob from Straight Chillin'. Welcome, Bob. Yo, what up, pod fam? Thanks for having me back on, dude. Absolutely, man. It's a, it's great having you on for this. I know you love this movie. Yeah, you invited me to talk about one of my all-time favorite horror movies because you're such a thoughtful, gentle man. So thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I am. Um... What can I say? And John, how are you? Doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm here, too. Uh, hey, what's going on, Hydroberg? Bob, thank you so much for coming back. Uh, for I, I think it's your fourth or fifth time you're part of that club now. Yeah, this is... Number five, I think. This is my fifth time this year, if you are counting the voicemail I did for It Follows. If not, it's my fourth Fuck time yeah, this year. yeah, we'll count that voicemail. All right. I'm a five-timer this year, then. All right. Wonderful. Wonderful to have you back on. We do got to let uh, people. Jacqueline is um, actually feeling under the weather today, you know, and having three. I don't kids. think that's I th think she went to a dry cereal convention. Um, she could have. <laughs> yeah, she I think she had up. other plans. Psychopath convention. Yes. Well, she could be doing another podcast, right, Hydraberg? Yeah, I mean, she's not. Oh, oh great. Nice, segue, nice segue. Huh? There you go. I won't slander Jacqueline anymore. She's not here to defend herself. But uh, yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate the segue. I, I was on this weekend for uh, Circle of Jerks again. Those jerk faces had me on for uh, their episode, their 50th episode, actually. Um, and we covered The Thing from Another World and um, 1982's The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, with a little bit of 2011 sprinkled in there also for, you know, just good measure. Absolutely. Uh, I listened to that today. I got up pretty early this morning because I had to go to the F and DMV and uh, Bob and I talked about that a little bit, but that's another story. Uh, I did listen to it. It was a very good episode long. I mean, you guys talked yeah, a lot fun, about man. this. Um, I am just so glad you brought up Hydraberg. This is an allegory of diabetes because of Wolford Brimley. Diabetes. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's ever touched it. That movie has been beat to death, right? But if one thing nobody's ever really mentioned is, is the metaphor that it is uh, for against diabetes. Yeah, these are your testing supplies. You know, if your blood starts jumping, you probably got diabetes. Exactly. That's how you know. Uh, that's awesome, though. That's a great double feature, man. Uh, I, I'm look, I'm gonna look forward to uh, checking that out. You and the circle of jerks. So we we also have to make a huge mention. Um, I, I'm sorry, Hydroberg. I don't mean to step on you here, but uh, our our steam guest today, um, him. Soju and Randy just celebrated their 400th episode. Eight plus years in the podcasting game and 400 episodes. Yeah, man. 
it's crazy. We definitely never thought we'd be doing it for as long as we have. Um, but we wanted to kind of blow it out for our 400th episode, uh, which just dropped last week. Uh, if you want to check it out, just search Straight Chilling Podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we wanted to sort of like celebrate not just like ourselves, but also just like the greater community that we are lucky to be a part of and like, you know, everybody that hangs out in our Slack channel and stuff like that. So we had a big live show um, where uh, Andy, Justin and myself were all in person for the first time. We've never been able to get together uh, for a live show before, all three of us. So we recorded that and included that uh, for our episode 400. And uh, we took a bunch of questions from people and uh, several voicemails. You guys were kind enough to send in a really nice congratulatory voicemail and we just wanted to sort of include as many of our friends uh, as we could in the episode. So it's a nice chunky long episode. And um, to kind of like cap off uh, the release of that, uh, we also have a documentary that just dropped like today, three hours ago. Um, and that's on our YouTube channel. Uh, if you just search Straight Chilling Podcast on YouTube, it'll come up. Uh, the documentary is called Solid One Star. And it's really just about the history of the show um you know how it started and how it's evolved and where it's at now and again we try to sort of include as many people uh as as many friends uh, as we can all the people that we've met and worked with along the way so you can check that out too it's about 50 minutes on youtube uh, so check it out yeah easy watch for me Eisberg, what you sent me the link to it so i, I watched I, it as soon as it dropped oh, okay i was I, I just got out of the shower and i was about to shave and i was like oh this thing came on just to save time i put that thing on my phone and i put it in the background while i shaved nice. and i watched and then i sat down in the in the in the uh, living room and i put the rest of it on on the tv just to watch it and it was really good man I, if, if i had one complaint it's that it's too short i want more <laughs> you're gonna get more actually oh uh, sweet uh later uh well probably like first quarter of next year um, Justin had so much extra footage. He's going to start dropping like uh, little vignettes, I guess is what you'd call them on YouTube, really just throughout the course of next year. He said he'll do like at least three or four sort of like uh, like bonus episodes of like unused footage. Uh, so yeah, there's more to come on that actually. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. You guys were in it. Uh, Hydroberg, your tattoo was featured in it as well. I saw that. My tattoo and my, my part of my upper body. <laughs> Yeah, as well as uh, snippets from uh, you, you guys' appearances on a cut above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was very and cool. We're in the credits I, too, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah, I was very flattered to be a part of that, but I'm also even more flattered to be a part of your guys' community because, yeah. in all seriousness, what you guys have created, it really is. And I think I said this uh, when we did our 400th uh, congratulations to you guys is that. No matter what people are going through, they can always go to your Slack channel or go listen to you. It's just like being around friends. And you did inspire us because I wouldn't have met those these two knuckleheads if Jacqueline was here and Hydraberg without that community and start another podcast. So I love that, man. I love hearing that that, you know, no matter what you're going through, no matter where you are, even if you have never met any of these people in real life, you feel at home and like you're around friends and family and you can always reach out if you need to. That's and the I high, think, the highest compliment you can get, I think. Yeah, I think you brought it up in the episode, the actual episode that um, when you go out and meet people, it's almost not like "Hey, guy" or "Hey, gal." It's like "Hey, friend, how are you? I know yeah. you." It's not like "Hey, yeah. listener four two seven. It's like yeah. "Hey, what's up?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not this weird like barrier. It's just like you know, you're a, a 
person, Hey man, what's going on? How you doing? You know, like <laughs> exactly. right. Yeah. Um, thanks for the love guys though. For real. Um, Absolutely. I appreciate it. You guys want to say that Andy slays that graphic in the beginning of the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty talented. <laughs> that, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. You guys want some news? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, it only took 38 years, but uh, we're finally getting the sequel to the mutilator. <laughs> Stars a whole Mut- bunch of people that, you know, including Terry Kaiser. Do you know who that is? I don't think so. It's Bernie. Bernie? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. So I've only seen the movie. Mutilator once, and it was recently. But this is created by like the, the original creators, right? I think it's on Tubi now. I actually should check that out. Holy shit. Yeah, 38 yeah. years. A whole bunch of people you recognize from other horror movies, and then writer-director Buddy Cooper is coming back to write and direct it. Nice. It's coming out... Um, Actually, there's no date for it, but they did release a poster to it, and it's a girl, like half naked, um, bound to a tree. No, like she's that. tied to the pier. Oh, like, is that as, is that what like, it is? Okay, yeah. I kind of just fucking I, yeah, yeah. I was more reading the story, so you were looking at her boobs. I get it, John. I was just like Kylie. What's her name from this movie? Uh, Infinity Pool. Bob, have you seen uh, Brandon Cronenberg's new movie trailer yet? Yes. Infinity Pool. Yeah, I watched wow. it uh, earlier today, actually. It looks pretty wild. It's got Mia Goth in it. She's all over the place now, which uh, is cool with me. Yeah. Um, it uh, it kind of looks like uh, these uh, these people go on vacation and they accidentally uh, hit someone with their car and kill them. And then they get messed up with some sort of like cult, maybe? Or It seems uh, like there's a... I don't know. Yeah, there's like a sect of people that like if you're famous enough or rich enough, I guess, like and you can create a doppelganger of yourself to like yeah. get in trouble for you. If you get in trouble, you can have that person take the blame. There was some really good shots in this because, yeah, we've all seen it. So I love that there, there was a really, really cool shot and it was quick, but there was this knife going into the body and the way it came out. You just saw the blood coming down. I thought that was really cool looking, but mm-hmm. I was a big fan of Possessor. So. You know, yeah. I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing this and what baby Cronenberg can do. It looks like it intense. It gets more intense as the movie goes. At least the trailer does. And I'm assuming that the actual film might have that whole that same type of vibe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it looks pretty dope. I also I, I forget there's a there's a daughter Berg. I forget her name, but I read something that she's going to be making her first movie sometime next year as well. So there's going to be. Wow. Three Cronenbergs making movies at the same time, which is wild. Keeping it in the family. Yeah. And if if this movie's even or three quarters as good as Possessor was, I'm going to really enjoy this one. So, yeah, it's coming out January 26th or 7th. Soon. Yeah, the, uh, Mia Goth seems like she's letting the accent fly in this one, too, based off the trailer. Mm. Yeah, she is the it girl right now. You're going to see her in everything. So yeah. that's all I got. Um, <laughs> Hydraberg, <laughs> you picked uh, what? Um, the Lodge from 2019. Why in the world did you make us watch this movie? Uh, it's a sneaky Christmas movie. And I wanted to pick something for th- it's Christmas related. It's all Christmas. There's, yeah, there's Christmas going on. So um, I don't know. It was something different. Uh, I've only seen it the once. And I thought it would just be hilarious if I I 
put it in the docket as a joke, like, hey, maybe we can get Bob on for this one. But the fact that he's willing to join us, I mean, how do I say no to that? Like, <laughs> come on. They're like, careful what you wish for, man. Yep. You yeah. just might get it. Exactly. I actually right. re listened to your review of it today. So I did not. I, w- I wonder how that's. I sounds. just wanted to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty. I don't know. You're pretty mad. <laughs> <laughs> he was upset. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> pretty upset. Hey, Merry Christmas, Bob. Enjoy this one. Hey, thanks for the gift, guys. Really appreciate it. It sounds to me like you did not have a good beer when you watched that movie. Uh, no beer can save the lodge. Oh boy. It's unsalvageable. All right. Well, uh, and Hydroburg, you're hosting today, but I'm going to throw it to you. This does this movie fuck or suck? Uh, yeah. Um, like cold beans and saltines, this film sucks. I'm surprised to hear you say that. Okay, cool. I yeah, it sucks. This it totally sucks. It sucks like getting your tongue stuck on a icy cold pole in the middle of winter. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah, I'm actually gonna say, and I'll probably be in defense of this movie. Is this movie is like going to girlfriend's. Uh, parents christmas party that you know you're going to break up with after the holidays but you get one more romp at it so i'm going to say this is a flaccid fuck yeah i was i was straddling the flaccid fuck um area for a this little is, while yeah this is not my bag this is not my cup of tea at all i mean but there was some things i kind of enjoyed about it this movie is just as good as getting one final bang in at your girlfriend's family's Christmas party. Yeah, and that's, that's, why, the that's why it's classic. You, you don't give a shit. It's the one last bang <laughs> where you get a venereal disease, Bob. Oh, uh, it's always the last one. It's, yeah. You know, it's the last for a reason, I guess. All right. Speaking of I banging, do you guys want me to give you a reach round? Well, we should probably spoil it first. Oh, yeah. Give, give me that spoil warning. All right, spoiler alert, we'll be talking about The Lodge from 2019 in its entirety. If you have not seen this movie, pause the podcast, go watch it, come back to find out what we thought about it. Hide your All right. A twisted tale of a surrogate mother, a clueless father, the scheming plans of a sister and brother, hearts now frozen with the loss of their mother, turn their sights on dad's new lover, concoct a plan to make her suffer, and use the past she now harbors. Member of a cult, now it's sole survivor. To a remote winter cabin with dad the driver. Off to work he must go with the with grace the kids stay. Richard, he promises to be back Christmas Day. Tells his wife to be where the gun is, okay. A kiss for the kids, then Dick's on his way. Sandwiches made and movies were watched. Christmas decorations were hung as the temperature dropped. Two angry kids and a sinister plot. For grace, only good intentions were meant. Some quality time spent. Trauma from her past creeps into her present. Two little shits and a father that's negligent. Two siblings filled with resent. Hatch a plan truly bent. So a descent into madness, Grace, she was sent. Off to heaven they went, but first they must all repent. Well done. Mic drop. Yeah, very well done. I'm going to say that um, so no, this movie... It, it, uh, with with dollhouses and stuff like foreshadowing of what's gonna happen in a movie, I think they did it better in a movie called Hereditary. Yeah, 
I mean, this sure. tell me that the filmmakers in this film didn't see that movie first. This that was like like to me so pointless. I mean, okay, I I get it, and then it's like okay, this is the way it's going to happen. Then they cut to black at the very end. I mean, we're not going to go there. We'll talk a little more about it, but it's just like okay, so nothing's going to happen here. You just you make that assumption because they show it six times throughout the movie, right? Yeah. We pan through it several times and each time it shows like it depicts like a scene from the film and it also shows like the ending a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It adds to the, the, uh, the difficulty of, I have of like believing that these children are capable of doing everything that they pull off. Cause like they, I, I assume they use this dollhouse to stage it out and be like, yeah, we're going to do this and we're going to, we're going to place her body over here and drag her they outside do, or whatever. And like, later. yeah, it's, it's like, it's just kind of ridiculous and it makes it feel like cheesy and not, it, it makes it feel less scary, I guess to me. It does. It, yeah. I didn't feel scared at all. I, in fact, like throughout the movie, I started becoming more, uh, sympathetic to grace i'm just like this this woman's been through trauma in her life and you know she's filming all these people because we had a cult out here in san diego uh that did the exact same thing so to me it kind of hit a little harder and this this was back in like maybe the mid 80s um and it happened like just west of where i'm at you know this big mansion and this leader was just like convincing these people to drink the Kool-Aid. You know, that's where that comes from. Of like oh, Heaven's Gate, you're talking about. That's it. Yeah. I yeah, that was like the early 90s, I think. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was like something like that, which that premise is scary within itself of people believing in mm-hmm. this human being of of you know, okay, whatever he says, and if we're gonna get closer to God sooner, let's let's do this. You know, I I kind of like that premise. And the fact that she was so traumatized, she was the only survivor, you know, that I don't think the director did a good job or directors didn't do a good job of, of like positioning her as she's, she either turned one way or the other. She only took medication and that's it. She's a sympathetic protagonist, if you want to say that, or antagonist, but I wouldn't even call her the antagonist. Well, maybe honest. an anti-hero. I don't know. I think the kids are the antagonists, to be honest, in this. I yeah. We yeah. don't think that of it, like out on the outset, like as we get started, we're like, oh, you know, Grace, we get this Grace character and it's like, okay, it's dad's new girlfriend, whatever. Um, and then I, as the time goes by, I think you do sympathize with her a lot. Yeah, I, I do enjoy that th- you da- didn't actually see her face until like a quarter into the movie. Like she's always yeah. a, a shadow figure I or, or her up as like if, the like, back of her head or something. I, I love that idea or, or I love the way that was shot. I do think it's odd too. like going back to the dollhouse. We set this dollhouse up like it's this like like Bob, you said it's like the planning stage, the air area for like the kids. Yeah. And that's fine. Like uh, a lot of the premises in this movie are cool. They're really they're smart in a way. But then they're I don't know when they, they when they're finally implemented in the film, they kind of they're done wrong in a, in a way that uh, I think the writing is part of the reason why. But um so, like, you're telling me that they set this all up before mom even killed herself, right? Like, they were already planning because mom looks in the in the in the window and sees the dollhouse, and we see scenes of the the movie already in there, right? Like, so the kids were planning this before their their trip was announced with dad. The timeline of it all is sort of wonky to me because 
I, I, I kind of disagree because the only thing they they shot, like I said, Hereditary did this beautifully, you know, the, the transitions into the real thing. But this like just showed you thought it was real. You were already in the lodge. Um, the only thing they showed foreshadowing was the gun or the revolver, right? No, they show I, the kids and her on the floor. They show her. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. And the two kids like laying on the couches as if like the heater had already knocked them out or whatever. Or there was also an original ending to this film that was a little different. So that kind of depicts that. Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily that, think they were like planning all this out before their mother committed suicide. Because you think that's the catalyst for this. Right? Yeah, it yeah. may just be like the filmmakers just trying to like allude to what you're about to see and not necessarily say like, this is okay. exactly when X, Y, Z was planned. That's how I would read it anyways. Cause they, after their mother commits suicide, they state directly that it's, it's Grace's fault that she did that. And they like hate this woman. Um, I think it is like a really great decision to not show Grace's face for so long because to these kids, Grace is not a person. Mm -hmm. She's just like a, she, she's this unwanted entity or like block that's keeping them from living the life that they want to live. Like peacefully well, with, with their, their mom their and father. dad. Yeah. Well, yeah, with their mom and dad, but now, you know, hopefully just with their father. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I like, I'll, I'll try and say some nice things about this movie. Cause like there's, there's, it doesn't totally blow. Not everything is terrible. I think like uh, Alicia Silverstone in the beginning, um, committing suicide is extremely uh, effective. It totally took me off guard the first time yeah, I saw man, it. Didn't see that coming at all. Because you yeah, think it was haunting. a leading lady, man. You, it's yeah. Alicia Silverstone. They're not going to kill her off right away, and then boom. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's pretty solid. The performances, generally speaking, are good. Like, nobody's phoning it in here in any way. There's some decent cinematography. Some of the cinematography, like, really bothers me, though. Really? Um I yeah. think it's oh, yeah overuse of going from room to room. I mean, it, it's yeah, just they try to used focus, way too much. Like we mentioned last week on Black Christmas, the original Black Christmas, how it kind of it'll, it'll linger on a scene in the house. But in that scene, in that movie, the setting, like, I don't know, it warrants it. Like, it works well for that movie. In this film, it's, it's sort of just padding. I enjoyed the aesthetic of this. I mean, living in a, in a Midwest state. For, John, there's for breath. I wrote it down. I you wrote a note. John, Did you write that? <laughs> Plus a half star for the breath. Half star for the breath. Yes. The man's got a code. That's going to be my new one. Half star for yeah. the cold breath. Star, not for the breasts, for the breath. The breath. No, but I, I did like the aesthetic and, you know, being in that, being in that environment for four years, it was, um, you know, you know what that's like, you know, mm -hmm. for example, last week watching the black Xmas, you know, it was just snow thrown on the ground and they're rustling around and there's none of that yeah i mean this this felt cold it felt it isolating did. it felt i did i think they definitely filmed it all on location and like it feels isolated too because it's the only house you see there and i feel like they they definitely pull off that remote feeling like there's nothing else around and there's no you're not going to walk to civilization to for help like it's not going to happen not during a snowstorm at least you know well, I want to say thanks to Marvel because I, I watched this all the way through the post credits and I was expecting a scene or something like that. But no, it didn't or like a flash of like a gun going off. That would have been that would have been kind of effective. I think we're know? meant to to understand what I know it, it would have been better for me. But I, I did they see they filmed, on the gun. Yeah, they, they filmed in um, England, um, Canada, and then some of it was in Los Angeles. Really? You need to film in those many locations. I guess Los Angeles for the 
their dad's house. Yeah, their main it house. Like an LA home. Yeah. That's another thing. I saw the like the first quarter of the movie. There was a lot of really bright yellow, very subtle, like the the chair that um that Alicia Silverstone went to go sit on, or the door for the dad's house. I thought I, that I was going to play play a part of this, huh? I just think it's a contrast that they wanted to have. Like the beginning of the film before mom's death is very bright. Yeah, and yeah. when they get to the location of the lodge, it's all super dark, and it's just like a totally different setting, you know, as far as mood. Mm-hmm. And that I actually did like. I, I noticed it right away this time. Yeah, this movie definitely has a distinct mood. And like the color palette works. It's very stark. It feels very isolated and it feels very cold. You know, there there yeah. is no brightness happening once you get to the lodge. I think the sound design in this movie is really good too. There, uh, The score has like these really creepy strings happening. And I also thought the uh, the like pre-recorded tapes of the leader of the cults talking, I thought that sounded super creepy. He's like speaking really low and softly. Yeah. His his voice is like kind of haunting and it's echoing throughout the attic and then like down throughout the rest of the house. And like I thought that was actually probably the scariest thing in the movie was just that dude's voice for me yeah. anyways. I couldn't I tell about- if those were being... Yeah, I was about 50-50 on the, on the score uh, itself. I mean, some of yeah. it bothered me. But other, yeah, like you said, the other ones were like really creepy. I love the organ thing. Mm. Like like I, it was a church organ. Yeah. And that's what yeah. she's hearing in her head, you know, and that like that to me was amazing. That's what I couldn't tell whether those like the, the tapes of the dad were those being played by Aiden to to add to her hallucinations or was that stuff going through her mind because, you know, she was off her meds. And- yeah. That, asked, that begs the question of how did Aiden know all about this? Why would he be reading his dad's a book about a woman that went through all this trauma and know exactly how to like. If you look earlier in the film, there's a scene where him and his sister are going through his dad's computer and they find a lot of this research uh, that he's done on this book. Mm-hmm. Okay. He is a 14-year-old evil mastermind. Yeah, he's an evil <laughs> mastermind. Is. He's uh, Xavier, uh, Charles Xavier. Yeah, yeah. I think when we first hear the voice, uh, they want you to believe it's all in her head because she stopped taking her medication. But then later on in the movie, we see he's got the tape recorder in the attic and he's playing the tapes loudly. Okay. So it, it. I mean, it could be a little bit of both. You know, it's definitely open for interpretation. But I kind of read into it that like while she was sleeping, he would do that and like she would think she was just hearing it in her mind, but really he was fucking with her is how I read it. Anyways, uh, evil mastermind fucking kids, a little piece of shit. This kid, I think okay. I have a, a problem generally speaking with movies where like little kids do wild and crazy like things like Kevin McAllister level traps <laughs> and like planning, but in the movie, it's asking you to take everything extremely deathly serious. Like I can buy it in home alone. Cause it's a goofy comedy, but like this movie is about as stark a movie as you're ever going to see. It's asking you to take everything so damn seriously. And I just can't really buy it. Yeah. So- and they, they, they went so extravagant with it because they hid all the food. They hid all the warm clothes. They knew how to shut down the fucking generator and then no power. Yeah, and then they couldn't get it back up when it mattered. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, like just having a young kid like this pull off a plan like this. Okay. Like, let's say he pulls off some of it. Fine. But like, there's no way it all goes off without a hitch. Like she's an adult, you know? Um, 
the fact that I don't know, like I I guess we're supposed to believe that like she falls for it easily because she's off her meds, but it takes a little while, a couple of days sometimes I feel like to to come off meds as well as to get back on them too. Like so even if you gave her meds when she was bugging out, like that wouldn't have solved everything. By then it was just too late. Yeah. I did ha- have a question, and I'm I'm not totally. Maybe you guys know the answer to this. Like, how long was the dad away exactly? Like two days, days, three days. Okay. And Grace said that it's only going to be a few days. Which, by the way, let's bring up the dad. He's talk about the biggest piece of shit in the movie. It's that guy. Yeah. Okay. First off, yeah, he, he's not even divorced yet, right? Because she, he said, or um. Yeah, Richard says to what? What's her name? Grace. Wife's I don't know. Alicia Silverstone's oh. character. I don't know. I just been calling Alicia. Um, Laura. Her name's Laura. So, Laura goes over there to take the kids. Obviously, they're separated. So, Richard says to Laura, "Hey, let's finalize this divorce because Grace and I are getting married." What? What? Okay. Okay. That's strike number one, my guy. Um, number two, he's forcing this woman onto his kids because he wants them to have a relationship six months after his i don't think she was his ex-wife yet after it happened and gonna go stuff them in a lodge where they can't get around they don't have a vehicle oh they've got their amenities and he leaves yeah it's it's not so much what he does as much as how he does it for me like him dating someone after a split with his wife is is whatever. Like we're, I, I guess happens. we're supposed I, to believe that maybe he cheated on his wife. We don't know for sure though. If he did, that's you know that's fucked up. But it, well, the, he, the film never actually tells you that. For, well, for he sure. did though. I mean, it, obviously, we don't know that. The film actually never says that. Yeah, we know yeah. that he got a new woman after he split with his wife, and she was holding on to the fact that maybe they would get back together. But we, she also didn't seem mentally like a hundred percent. So we don't know exactly. I don't know, like. Whether he he was kind of just like he didn't want to drop it on her because he knew how she'd take it. And eventually he just said, listen, we got to cut this and fill out the forms for a divorce. I don't know. I'm a child of divorce, so I know it's it's a tough. Well, and so am I. I, I, totally I had a stepmother. Am. And I, but know I, I think I think the way he approached it just. Yeah. I mean, he totally lied to her. And it was just like like she she uh, Laura came up to the house, sees a silhouette of somebody. And, and he's like, she's not here. She left. Yeah, there's two glasses of wine right there while he's taking his uh his Alka Seltzer and you know for whatever they were doing. So sorry, Bob. Well, that was one of the shots I actually liked the Alka Seltzer shot where they kind of zoom in on it and we get like yeah. the looks like the storm that we're gonna get caught in later. That's so I kind of dig that. They didn't kind of cut into the storm though. It would have been better if they had cut from the Alka Seltzer to mm-hmm. the storm at the cabin and like just like quick cut right to it. Um, oh, been nice. But yeah, the dad like dropping the kids off with the, the girlfriend. Stupid. Like trying to have maybe a holiday with your kids six months after their parents. The, the fact that she killed herself is is really bad. Like that, it's not like she just died of cancer or something, an illness that like they knew about. It was very sudden. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's just tough to take, especially when you're young. Like it's it's a lot to deal with. Six months sounds like a lot of time, but it's not. And dealing with death takes a long time sometimes, depending on the people. Um. Had he done like a Christmas dinner at his house with his girlfriend, that'd be different. Why do you need to take them to a cabin remotely? It's like at least six hours away, right? It's not even very close. And then drop them off and then somehow for some reason go back to work for several yeah. days. Why not just go to the cabin after you're done with work and spend the holiday like two days there? 
Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me. And like this, this is my biggest problem with the movie is the setup, like how we get everybody where they need to be for the craziness to ensue in the second and third act. The setup, the first act doesn't make any logical sense to me whatsoever. So like I'm I'm never going to be able to buy into what happens after it because like I just can't I can't begin to believe what I'm seeing in the first act because like this fucking dad is such a piece of shit. He's like, there's just, if he did like one or two of these things, okay, I could be along with it. But he does every single thing wrong. Like his, his wife commits suicide. He tells his kids during Thanksgiving dinner that he's going to take them out to a lodge in the middle of nowhere with this woman that he's going to get married to that they hate, that they don't know at all and leave them completely alone with her. For Christmas, he like ruins Thanksgiving dinner by telling them that, hey, I'm also going to ruin Christmas, too. Just want you guys to know that. So, you got something to look forward <laughs> if to. If anything, he's consistent in all the bullshit. So here's here's the thing. He also insults her. He, he, she's a terrible cook. You guys yeah. will be able to play games. Yeah. Yeah, whatever you trying, want. And he's trying he's, to like, you know, he, he's also this. He's also this woman's uh, therapist or psychiatrist. He, so, yeah, is he? he yeah, because that's how he has all these tapes and all this knowledge of all the. I trauma. wasn't sure because I had that in my notes and then I I erased it because. Yeah, I, is he a writer? He write a book? I thought he wrote a book about this. That's what I'm saying. Is he a writer or is he a therapist? Maybe I have that detail wrong. Then I thought he was like her therapist, and so that's how. I, which is okay. really bad that he would date a client, especially knowing. Yes. Her. Yeah, well, either way, he knows intimately the shit that she's been through and the trauma that she's survived and that, you know, she might have some PTSD or something like that that she's dealing with. She's taking medication for and like he's still just going to take her out in the middle of nowhere with his kids and just drop them off, knowing that she might be unstable and that his kids fucking hate this lady for several days. And, And like there's a brief moment when he finally gets out there where he's like, you know, are you sure you're okay? Are you sure you can do this? Maybe I shouldn't leave. And you're like, oh, he is like a human being yeah, with a fucking she's brain. The ice. Yeah, and she's <laughs> like, no, I'm totally good, fam. And he's like, okay, great. And by the way, here's a loaded gun. See you yeah. later. Like, what yeah. the fuck are here's you thinking, I dude? I know. <laughs> doesn't make any sense at it all. It doesn't. That the uh, gun thing is really stupid. Like you, yeah, could, and- you could have had that gun become th- something. Maybe one of the kids knew how to get it out, right? And so like sure, they yeah. they unlock it, and she gets a hold of it later. And then you make you bring it into play later, still for the ending, if you wanted to. But the fact that he a, showed she, her that early on, she's like a marksman too. All of a sudden, and he's cool well, with cults. that. Like I, all right, I just like, assumed because of the cult that she. I was get getting. yeah, sure, yeah. I guess that makes sense. But um, yeah, that's just it's just dumb. Like. I, I like I generally like the relationship between the brother and sister, but it's it's like undercut because of the fact that like their characters are so shitty, even the little girl like, yeah, you want to like her. But like she I mean, she's just going off what her brother tells her to do, basically. But like, yeah. they're just such shitty little kids. Right. They they establish a really good relationship at the beginning of the movie, you know, where, you know, shitty dad goes like like Mia's just bawling her eyes out. By the way, that young actress did a great job. I thought she was fantastic in this. No, movie. She, did. R- she real is, tears. Yeah. Uh, you know, real emotion. Like anytime she knew she, she she fucked up, she would she would get emotional, like a seven eight year old kid would do. But like that, when, when she's having that. Con- Go ahead, Bob. Sorry, you might have been 
leading up to this, the scene where she's crying in bed at the beginning of the movie yep. after her mother killed herself and she's saying yeah. like she can't get into heaven. That is a heartbreaker of a scene. Yep. Holy Absolutely. shit. Well, they, they kind of pats her. Yeah, there was yeah. just kind of weirdness. I, I guess no, I don't it's... understand religion that much. Is there some significance to releasing a black balloon? I, and I'm not making fun at all. I'm just curious if there's some sort of significance I've never to done that. that at a funeral. Not that I know of. Yeah. So I, I think doing that established. You but know, some people uh, do the like the the candles, the balloon candle things. Um, oh yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, I just don't understand do that the black balloons. Remembrance of people that have passed and stuff yeah. like that. So. And the only time I've seen black balloons is like usually when they're calling somebody over the hill, or or if you've seen yeah. Gags the Clown, you know. Right, Bob. Or a gender nice. reveal party, you know, <laughs> whatever. Exactly. Whatever. But I, you're right. The way they establish that, though, is that Mia wraps the the uh, Barbie doll that looks like her mother and doesn't go up, and she's not going to heaven. And that that whole crying scene in bed, and the dad goes, "We just don't know. We just don't know." Then the brother comes walking in, holds her hand, and tries to comfort her. Yeah. So, like, I do like that relationship that they're building early on between the brother and sister, and like, we get it. Like, oh, they work together really well. Like. It just seems so far fetched that they would scheme like this huge plot, though. That it would like yeah. do this adult, even whether she's on pills or not. Like it just seems so t- like too much. Okay, so so when um, Aiden gives Grace that hot chocolate, is that drugged? Yes. Okay, that's what I assume. We're led to believe that because there, she passes out then. Well, she still wakes wakes up on the floor like she normally does, unless they, those two dragged her up the stairs. She does, but after she wakes up is when the decorations are gone and the coats are gone and the food's gone. So, right? I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was drugged, but maybe. But they did drug. They drugged her. They mentioned it. They mentioned the sleeping pills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was. So yeah. where else? How would you give them to her if not in her drink? That was the only time I've seen him like serve her something. Yeah. And then she has a dream about waiting, waking up on the ice, which they didn't actually bring her out there. That was just a dream. But right. Well, she fell through, too, which I mean, that's a drowning. And she tried to save it... Mia in that moment. Like she was she's genuinely yeah. nice to these kids. She's trying. She's trying. Well, man. she really is. And they're so fucking mean to her right off the bat, which I look, I get it. Right. You know, like mom died unexpectedly. A horrible mm-hmm. circumstances. Dad's got a new girlfriend. He's thrusting her right in, in front of you like get along with her but at the same time like me is trying right you maybe you don't see that right away but she tries to save your little sister from a fucking sinkhole uh, a hole in the ice that should have been like hey maybe maybe she means well you know what i mean like she tried to save my little sister from drowning or freezing to death like she's not told like they never paint her in a horrible way where these kids could even be seen as like right like okay for doing what they do like it's not justified in any way other than, no. than they're grieving for their mother and don't know how to process it. And their dad should recognize that and not put them in this terrible situation, but he's a dumbass, So he yeah, does it and just leave. I yeah, got the assumption that grace was actually very, very young. Maybe uh, she maybe was 20, 21. She's in her twenties. I want to say. Definitely. Yeah, pro- probably. I think when, whenever Mia leaves the door open and the dog gets out and they can't find it and it freezes to death, like that little girl, I just don't see her keeping her mouth shut at that point. Like, no, the dog, you know, accidentally killing your dog. Like she, like most people wouldn't be able to handle that, especially like a little girl right after her mother commits suicide. She's completely alone. 
I couldn't like, handle it as a viewer. I was like, yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible. Like, there's just like too many things that I just can't really believe. Like, there's another point in the movie where it's after uh, she has been given the gun, Grace has been given the gun, and the kids wake up in their own beds, and she's sort of in a trance watching them sleep, and she's holding the gun, mm-hmm. looking at Aiden, and then uh, uh, Mia wakes up, and she slaps Mia in the face, and she's holding this gun. Like The kids are not scared nope. at, at all. They just keep yeah. fucking with her. Like, yeah, at that point, wouldn't they be like, hey, we're pushing this a little too far. Yeah, let's get her, let's let's get her those off. nets. That we yeah, did. they they back yeah. off when they see the popsicle. So I mean, yeah, it's yeah. There's just two. They just I don't know, man. And then he he the fucking kid makes a fake obituary, and he's like, oh, by the way, maybe we're all dead. Like, get the fuck out of here. This is nonsense. It's just too much, man. On the paper it was on, you know, there was some other printing on it, and then it was like yeah. those three, and then you're just oh god, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, and she wasn't able to check her cell phone at all, even. You know, they, they played that yeah. whole gimmick. And well, the dad is just not able to communicate with Grace at all because her phone's dead and like he's cool with that for several days. Like what the, the amount f- of time it takes to do this stuff too is like so you had to her phone might have been charging, right? You had to it takes a long time for a phone to not charge anymore. Like so you had to kill that battery somehow. Right? Yeah. All, all the batteries in the house except for that one the sisters had. You had to go outside and make like forty something fucking uh snow angels somehow. Right yeah. at night, in the middle of like two in the morning. Only kid size, by the way. Kids yeah. size, yeah, like snow angels. Fucking a, like there's just too much. I I respect uh, what they're trying to do, but it's just it should have went through another draft or two to like you know iron out some of the fucking flaws yeah, in the logic some... of it all. It just doesn't make sense. Okay, so so another problem I had was when she goes for the walk and she doesn't have like uh, everything that's going to keep her warm. She wraps herself up in a blanket and like starts walking. I get the fact that it's like a a frozen tundra out there and you're not going to make it very far. What was the point of that house? She was hallucinating being off their pills. Is that what she now nourished and also just stressed out beyond belief and the point of no return, I guess like she totally broke. It was a cross. Yeah. Right. Her father was the, the sole fucking person inside of it. Yeah. It wouldn't let her in. So yeah. it was, was like, that really that was necessary. Her... I mean, it, it would have been more necessary where it like turned from day to yeah. night back to day. And then she sees, I mean, I didn't hate that then... scene. I just, she kind of looked kind of cool. Yeah. They don't show her fa- find the dog or anything. She kind of just walks back with the dog. Yeah. She, Had she found the dog there time. or something like that. They could have like connected that a little bit with. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that would have been cool. The the scene where Aiden like hangs himself to prove that they're all dead and like can't die because they're already dead and they're in purgatory. Also like sticks in my crawl. I just don't think a kid could really like make that happen with limited resources laying around a lodge. Maybe he can. That's fine. But well, then he- like the icing on the cake was like he's just he's hanging by his neck, but also is able to have a full on conversation with everybody at the same time. It's just like. Well, I don't, yeah, I don't like this. By his waist, <laughs> he, he was right, right. He yeah. was way think. He was thinking way ahead because he put that strap thing that kept him from choking himself out. Put that in the bag, and then you see it laying on the floor in the attic. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. see the candles, and he, you see the picture that he puts in there. You just don't see what's on the picture. You don't see that it says in in memory or whatever. It yeah. doesn't change the fact that like this kid hates this woman so much, but you're still willing to peep on her in the shower. It's weird, right? Yeah, that 
and he writes mom with a little heart around that's fucking weird dude i don't know so you broke in there to do that also they wrote repent on the shower like knowing that she would somehow bathe herself in in the fucking ba- like it just it's yeah. all just too much for how'd she heat up the water plant. in the fire she heated it in the fireplace okay but the fact that like you planned all this in a remote place that you weren't able to set anything up and you weren't able to test any of this stuff out so you just did it all in this remote place. It just, I don't know, man. Rob, it's like the more I think about it, I think you're absolutely right. This is like home alone, a dumb version of home alone. It's just too self-serious. It is. And if it was a little like lighter in tone, then I would be way more willing to, to be like, okay, that's fine. I'll roll with the punches. This doesn't have to be airtight, but like, they're really asking you to believe every single ounce of this. And I just can't do it. I will say one scene that was super effective is when grace is kneeling on the embers that she pulls out of the fire. That is excruciating and really effective. The screaming with it just added yeah. to it as well. The, the kids are up in the attic, just like, Oh, this is real. This is yeah. This, oh, we're fucked. Gone too far. We're fucked now. Yeah. Yeah, Dumb little shit. By then she's cracked and she's reverted back to her like cultish ways. I like that because voice. They, she they've used, convinced though. her that her father yeah. was like almost right. You know, like I miss. I feel like Grace has come a long way from, since becoming. She was a survivor when she was a child, like young, a young teenager, almost Aiden's age, right? And now she's like in her 20s something. So she's dealt with this for at least 10 years, it seems. She's probably gone through lots of therapy. She's dealt with it. She's faced her fears. She takes meds to regulate herself. And then she seems like whenever you see her in the beginning before she cracks, she seems perfectly fine. Like she seems like, okay, she's been through some things, but she's willing to try. She's trying to relate with these kids. She she even reveals a little bit of herself to Mia. She's trying without being forceful, you know, like, hey, I'm not your mom, but hey, I'd like to have a relationship with you because I'm dating your dad. Like, we're going to get married. I think that side of the relationship, you're absolutely right. But I don't think that she was like completely fine because her PTSD that she's going through, you know, had religious tones to it from her father. I don't think you're ever going to be fine. having All these people that that she filmed, you know, this found footage type thing, which to me was kind of cool. You know, the whole sin thing coming back at the end of the movie. Yeah. Was was a nice. I don't touch. get the idea that she would have just cracked on these kids during, while she was married to their their dad. They drove her to this they because totally of lack did. of n- nutrients, her pills, and just scaring her to death. Like, and then her dog dying. Like, they pushed her to the fucking limits. And that's why I just can't feel. I don't feel any sympathy for the kids. Like, yeah, kids shouldn't yeah. die, but at the same time, like you, this movie does a weird thing where it makes it paints the antagonist into a protagonist, like. She's the one I relate to the most in this film. Meanwhile, I feel like they were, I don't know if they wanted me to not like her or what, like, I don't know. Maybe that was their, their aim, I guess. And and with that, they do succeed. Even in the end, when she kills everybody, I'm just like, well, you guys kind of forced this. Like the dad, especially the dad. Yeah. The dad's stupid. He is a piece of shit. The first time you watch the movie, there's so much ambiguity as to what's actually happening. Like, you don't you don't totally realize that grace is just being abused until the end and then it sort of like sinks in and you're like oh this whole thing just kind of fell apart like if it if it had some supernatural element to it then you know i would be more willing to believe that the dad could be this big of a dumbass cuz you know purgatory exists and these people are really in it you know whatever i'll roll with the punches 
but it's all just real. It's all just real, real shit happening. The dad returning at the end, finally bringing his dumbass back to the lodge, like, I, is also so fucking frustrating because like he's walking up the stairs so slowly, trying to talk some sense into Grace. Clearly, she's cracked, right? And he should be able to recognize that because he's intimately aware with her past in one way or another. And she like tries to shoot herself, and there's no bullet in the chamber, so she's Man. like, "See, I'm not dead. It's I'm all sure fine." Yeah, and then she sort of like throws her hands in the air and the gun's just kind of dangling off of a finger and it's not cocked and and he's still like not making a move and like trying to do anything and he's just talking to her and then she just draws the gun on him and he's got both hands on the gun, still not doing anything, still trying to talk to her and then she cocks it and then just shoots him and just, he just dies and it's like, that is, you're a fucking idiot again. Still an idiot. Yeah, and that's another thing. I want to go back to him taking his sweet ass little time getting back home. So you haven't talked your fiance for three days no phone yeah, call days. Talk to the daughter yeah oh is that oh she actually the was fiance, talking grace left him a voicemail she couldn't get through to him and then after that point basically her cell phone was taken away and then but the daughter had the cell phone and she was talking to dad and okay. she used it too much and her battery went dead she was yeah. supposed to have the one cell phone that wasn't dead Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, the dad takes a sweet ass time and he's telling her, just leaving a voicemail, well, it's going to take me about six hours. Shit. But obviously, he had to wait for a snowplow, too. He's like pointing to, hey, I need to get in here. So, yeah. snowplow this. So, the thing that cues him into the whole thing is that, like, he stumbles upon the fucking dollhouse, too. Yeah. That's not his house, though. That's the mom's house. You would think that by six months, that would have been sold. Or did they move into there? No, uh, no. The house even be there? No, because he's leaving the house. Or, or right? I guess he's that house, house with the yellow door in, in his house. But they make it look almost like it's the same house that Alicia right. Silva. It probably is, and they tried to hide that, but yeah. Didn't. So, like, <laughs> there was not. There should have been at least part of like one of the voicemails or a talk with his daughter that kind of cued him in. I'm like, something seems off. You know what I mean? Like, I know my family. Not the whole like, oh, I bent down and happened to look inside the dollhouse because we need to cue in the dollhouse because that's part of the fucking plot. My like, God. it's just all—it's very sloppy. Yeah, what a dipshit! What a dipshit dad! Yeah, I can't I can't deal I with it? Had a tea party or two with his daughter. He might have realized. Yeah, or just listen to his kids when they were like begging him not to do this, like only because they felt uncomfortable and they just yeah. weren't ready. Not Very because un- they wanted to murder their stepmom, you know? Yeah, it's understandable that they don't want to be in this situation. Like, completely understandable. Just And I'm you know. sympathetic to that. I have, Look, my parents were divorced since I was one years old. I had a stepmom. I never hated my stepmom, but my mom didn't get along with my stepmom for the longest time. Right? Yeah. It was uncomfortable. There were issues. Eventually, they all got along. We started having like Christmas dinners together, and it was amazing. I remember that turning point in our family was just like, we have a weird family. I would describe this part of my family to other people. And they'd be like, that's so weird. I don't, I don't know. You have a stepmom and she talks to your mom. Like, yes, Dude. for the longest time they didn't, but they did. And when they did as a child, I was so elated by that. The fact that my stepmom, who I loved as well, could get along with my mom and in the same space and share, you know, the holidays together. And that became a huge thing for my family. And my stepmom ended up loving me as her own child, like treating me, you know, a little different, but at the same time, like she would still be there for me whenever I needed her. And so, like, I get like the hesitance to be like, oh, you know, this is dad's new girlfriend. Like, I totally understand. 
But to plot on her this way is just so like I can't understand kids to be like there's nothing in the film that shows Aiden or Mia to be they weren't raised by horrible like their dad's a schmuck, but he's not a total dickhead either. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, there was nothing that he raised his kids to be this way. And the mom was super kind. So only the only thing I could think of is like they were spoiled a little bit. But other than that, like there's nothing to lend towards them being this maniacal. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I can uh, relate to your uh, family dynamic there with the mom and stepmom hanging out on holidays. And it's not always totally kosher, but, you know, you got to make it happen for the kids, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people can. Um, Yeah, my mom or my multiple stepmoms, because my dad just likes to get married or something. Um, (laughs) That's a whole different story. Um, yeah, yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, I'm going to go back on something you said, Heisberg. He's just a schmuck. No, he's he's worse than that because, you know, it's like they're sitting down. By the way, what were they eating at Thanksgiving dinner? And what were those decorations? They're just decorations that became like the a turkeys. Yeah, turkey that was weird. I, I just thought yeah, I think they were hats and they, yeah. and they were eating lasagna, uh, which sounds amazing right now. But um, yeah. you know, he he yeah. he. He's understanding at the dinner. He's like, okay, you guys don't want to do that. That's fine. I've got to go out tonight. So he goes out, he comes back and he's like, she really wants to hang out with you. Do it for me. And then they're like, this is when they're looking up uh, all of Grace's stuff. So I'm like, damn, what a dick. Why don't you just say, you know what? When you kids are ready, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't be a dick dad. Don't be a chill out. That's going to be our first shirt. Don't be a dick dad. Don't be a dick dad. Don't be a dick dad. I thought it's that. This is my pussy. From Raw. That's right. That's right. But we're going to do it in French. So nobody can tell what it says. It's like like, like, like the Yabo shirt. I forgot about that one. Wee wee. I love that they're walking the thing in one scene. Yeah. That's when they're drinking the hot cocoa and watching the thing. Yeah. That would be. Grace doesn't want to watch it, though. She's a little like. Yeah, so you guys want to watch a different movie? And that's that's the moment that you fuck with her because she yeah. doesn't like the thing. Yeah, honestly, I that little that. girl probably shouldn't be watching the thing yet. Yeah, she's, no, not the she's thing. too young. Yeah. No, she's all about it. She just says she's cold and then put, puts on something more appropriate, which was what, Jack Frost or something? Yeah. <laughs> the and killer snowman movie? You guys said no, not that like, one. The Michael Keaton one. <laughs> Michael Keaton's voice couldn't be used in the film, in that, mm. that clip. He, there's like a stipulation with him a little trivia really? yeah like so mm-hmm. they used that scene but they couldn't use his voice during they the use scene. mia goth mia goth mia goth she's in everything i'm just kidding I'm oh kidding. is this the young girl mia, be in it. mia goth before she grew yeah okay i get it mia goth oh that's what bobby never was saying. a goth <laughs> <laughs> you missed out buddy oh, i know i did i know i did <laughs> Welcome to the Black Parade. <laughs> That's uh, problematic. Well, MCR <laughs> folks get it. Yeah. I didn't mean it as any other thing. But... Yeah. yeah. So they kill their dog. That's fucked. Yeah. They, kill- they never show Mia accidentally leave a door open either. Like, had they shown them doing some of their prep work? How did they? I don't know, man. Like the dog's just fucking dead. How am I supposed to think that? I know, but the way actually that was a set piece that I really liked because it just looks like this little shih tzu got frozen. You know, looking around trying to stay warm. It's 
but it re it resonated with me. Like I'm just like, yeah, fuck this yeah. kid. They yeah. killed her dog. Like yeah. dogs don't die. They don't. She die. brought a dog. We 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 watch too many movies that dogs die on this podcast. If anything, <laughs> do. Homeward Bound up next. <laughs> oh, that's next week. True horror during the Christmas time. Yeah, some feel good shit for you right there. Have you guys seen uh, Good Night, Mommy? Is the the director's? Uh, I haven't. Other movie. It's uh, it's okay. A, a lot of people love that too. A lot of people love The Lodge. A lot of people love Good Night, Mommy. I think Good Night, Mommy suffers from some of the same problems as The Lodge, but it's. I think it's substantially better than The Lodge, but it has a lot of like similar issues. Right, the Is that the one kid. with the supernatural twist to it? Uh, it was not, like 2013, maybe. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's supernatural. But yeah, it was probably around 2013. It's a the, these two twins and their mom has like reconstructive surgery on her face and it's all bandaged oh, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I know which one you're talking. Yes, I love that. Yeah, movie. yeah. So I find it odd too. Like Aiden asked Grace, uh, "What if they died when she found the picture outside saying in loving memory?" Uh, with it had Mia and Aiden in it, but like, how did they even know that Grace would stumble along that? It was buried outside by the front of the house. Like, they didn't plan on her walking out there anyway. Like, they didn't want her to actually walk out there. Like, they had realized at that point, like, we're taking it too far. They tried no, they, to stop her. They knew because there was like almost fresh flowers out there, like sticking the up out of the snow. Buried under snow. It was barely buried under. There was like something that she saw. She's like, what is that? Yeah, but there's a storm going on. Like, how do you even think that she would see that without it being? I don't know. I mean, it's just They're evil masterminds, dude. They know exactly. What's and then Grace happen. says when she sees it, too, she's asked about it. She said it doesn't make sense, which I, I wrote down the plot of these kids tricking Grace does also doesn't make sense. It's just it's almost like the that that quote is calling out the film she's in. She nailed it. She yeah. knows. Yeah. I, like I said, I like Grace's voice at the end where she's very, very peaceful. She's just, we just need to do this. We have to do it. I thought that was creepy because she didn't raise did. her voice or anything. I thought like having that. a little bit of snow, like, um, like this, what's it called? Uh, like the snow bite or whatever, the uh, frostbite on her Pro nose. Is that yeah, what like that was? I thought she burned herself while she, she was praying. No, I took that as when she's out outside too long because she was outside there for hours and hours. Oh, like yeah, frostbite. yeah. So her nose and her lips were starting to get frostbite on them, and then yeah, yeah her knees, like she warmed up by the fire, John. Yeah, she literally <laughs> she defrosted. The uh, the end where she's singing and she's like posed their dead dad at the head of the table and she's like, you know, got dinner laid out, being like the good mom, and then she puts the duct tape over the mouth. That's pretty creepy. I was like, by the end of the movie though, I just like hate everything that I've already. I seen. like but that scene. It's effective, yeah. Like, had had we gotten there in a better way, yeah. I think that scene would have paid off. Well, like, because we do see images of that scene early on. John, you mentioned it with the with the the dollhouse. We see an image of the gun, which is not a miniature. It's not really viewed as a miniature in the dollhouse, um, which is the gun on the table, and that's how the film ends. It ends with the gun in view, which only has at least three bullets left in it. We see possibly one in the chamber, and then two queued up so she has enough bullets to kill everybody at the table or the two kids and herself i guess it's very thoughtful she's a, a giver 
Yeah. The whole <laughs> tape would sit on it. I don't know. I probably could have done without that, but it's I okay. I thought it was a nice callback. To, it's all right. Yeah, series. it's a callback to her her cult days. Yeah. And the painting. I wish <laughs> there was more semblance with the painting. Like, she's cute. Mm-hmm. On, on, I know it's a religious painting, but I wish there was almost like something to do with that painting and her cult days or something. Or like there was a Bible verse or something that dealt with that painting. Like, she's she's kind of like I don't know. She's drawn in on it. And it's it's like a part of the film. Like Aiden definitely uses it to fuck with her. Like he knows it's a religious painting, but, um, you know, it breaks at one point, it falls down and then he, he puts it back up to kind of fuck with her. I just kind of wish there was more to that. I wish there was more to her backstory. Like we get some cues into her, like, I don't know. I just wish there was more flashbacks or something earlier on maybe there's a little bit of it i feel like we could have maybe used a little bit more i don't know maybe that wouldn't have worked but yeah i mean it would have made it worse i don't think uh i think it only would have improved it i mean it probably would have just endeared you to the character even like why was she a survivor you know what i mean like cue in a, a a scene where like they show that like she was uh complacent with her dad like she helped her dad do this maybe you know, reluctantly, maybe as a kid, but like she helped some of these murders and that's why she's able to do it again now that you made her crack or something. Well, I think she saw so much trauma. I I buy the no, story. I, of I, having, I get that. Like so much PTSD. It's just, yeah, I, I like the way they leaned into that. And that was fine for me. I don't uh, I don't. But I don't like that trope that like PTSD automatically turns you into like a fucking killer either. Like. That doesn't happen all the time. Like, yeah, okay. Like, we see war veterans sometimes that that happens to them and stuff like that. But like, yeah, like PTSD doesn't automatically turn someone into a killer. It makes them sometimes a shell of a person, or they have issues and 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 trauma, things that trigger them. And yes, like they revert back sometimes. But I don't think it. Her, yeah, the thing that made her snap is because like she like with all this religious stuff that she went through with PTSD and seeing all that back. And obviously, you know, Aiden knew exactly what the fuck put in front of her face to make her go, Oh shit, it's coming back again. So I, I don't want this to happen ever again. Yeah. And and at at that point she had cracked enough where there was no reasoning with her that she just thought like, well, we, we are in purgatory. They convinced Uh her and we need to repent in order to get into heaven, which made me think like, well, she shoots Richard like, why even shoot Richard if you know that, like, it's not going to do anything because you saw Aiden. But I guess at that point, she had thought maybe maybe they repented enough to be let into heaven. And so once Richard dies, she figured, oh, I'll set everybody up around the table and I'll kill everybody and we'll all be let into heaven. She put the point. gun on herself, proving to him that, listen, I'm she in purgatory She generally right did now. try to kill herself. Because click and then watch. You're gone. That was the point that you charge her. When she has yeah. the gun to her head, the only threat is herself, and it clicks, and she hasn't moved the gun away from her head. That's when you charge her. I get that you freeze it up a little bit during situations yep. like this, but there was like between Aiden and and Richard, one of them should have tried to grab the gun or push her away or push like just push her down the stairs or something. I would have rather they wrestled for the gun and 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 Richard got shot, yeah, instead of like holding the gun in front of his face. Yeah, just hold, just holding it, not pushing it up above his head or no struggle at all. at all. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like such an anti-climax. Like it just you're like okay, 
dad's home. He's going to come through and actually try and save his kids now. And he just does nothing again, like, which I guess is consistent with his character, but it doesn't make for an entertaining like climax. It's not a very effective ending. I don't think it's just frustrating if anything. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I feel, I feel a movie that's an hour and 48 minutes shouldn't feel like a slog. Um, but this could have been trimmed up at least 20 more minutes and it might've been a little bit better. Not to say that everything would have been cohesive, but maybe a little bit better. Cause sometimes I felt myself, this is like, this is making no sense. Some of the jump cuts that they would do just didn't make any sense. It's a slow burn, but it just, it's, it wants to be, it wants to be hereditary so bad. And that's just, that's a slow burn for me. That just nails it. Like it, it does nail it. Yeah. And then yeah, like I, this film just doesn't do that me they're really trying to play with the ambiguity of of whether or not like like you know can we trust what we're seeing is grace actually going crazy and don't make the kids so shitty it's, yeah the reveal of that kind of i mean it fully removes all amb- ambiguity because you know exactly what's happening but i think that's why there's a lot of fluff is because they're going they're playing with the back and forth of like what's real and what's not and like that only works for your first time view and then after you roll the credits and you reflect on it for me it's just annoying and frustrating and then on the second watch you when you know what's going to happen i actually thought i was going to like it a little more the second time <laughs> watching it because i knew what to expect but I was just immediately fucking annoyed by everything I saw. I was like, God damn, this movie just, it doesn't work at all for me. It's actually more frustrating knowing how stupid everything is before hitting play. I think it's uh, frustrating because we can see the movie that it wants to be and we can see a good movie, yeah. right? And like, there are things sure. in this movie that are good. Cinematography is good. There's good fucking shots. We, I like the setting. I like the isolation. I like, there's plenty of stuff, but, and there's good acting. It's just it's just the writing. I don't know. It fails. The plot is just, I don't know, ho-hum. It's like it's like The Shining, but you find out at the end, like everybody's being uh, gaslit by <laughs> the fucking uh, uh, Scatman Carruthers or something. You know, like well, Grace literally was gaslit by the the the, the gas heater. <laughs> by Aiden. The true culprit. That was she was gaslit by him right there. Uh, gotta I go full electric. You can't in trust your the episode gas. of this uh, film. Did you? You had to have named Aiden the Cooter, right? I don't. I haven't listened back to it yeah, since I listened we first to part of the episode out. today. I didn't finish it though. Uh, he. I mean, yeah, he ha- absolutely had to have been there. I don't see him and probably also his dad. I would think it might have been a twofer. I'm going with Aiden just because of him spying on her and yeah, the shop. creeping. Yeah. But also like the. The, yeah, yeah. Sexual deviation, manipulation, smug arrogance as a mother. Smug arrogance. His dad is like absolutely pathetic. I think. Well, uh, no sexual deviance. Both of them. He is pathetic. Yeah, p- pathetic for sure. No sexual deviance. What? Arrogance. Well, cheating on his wait, wife, maybe. Yeah, with cheating a... on his wife. Well, maybe, maybe. Well, we don't. It's never he confirmed. Was a therapist for her. maybe she right. was like twelve or thirteen, and then so, getting into a relationship with her. So if he was yeah, a therapist, yeah, that's that would do it. Yeah. Very, like, why would he need? If you're a therapist, why would you need to leave to do work during that's the holidays? Great question. I don't know. Your own that's a great question. It's even writer, better. I would say an even better Why question is if he's a writer. Then either. Like, oh, I gotta go do computer. some writing. Yeah. He talks to somebody on the phone too. Like, oh, can you find somebody else? 
So it, it, I, I can't understand what it is that he does exactly. They never actually come out and say it, right? I mean, I thought he was a therapist, but I could be wrong. If I'm the only one that thinks that, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. I thought that. he was a therapist too, but you mentioned writer, I think, in your synopsis on your review, which changed oh, really? my outlook. I was like, oh, maybe I because I, I wrote therapist and I was like, maybe it was a Mandela effect why I thought that. I don't know. Like maybe. I and that's what I thought it was like even worse, like that why the kids never accept her too, because they're like, Dad's like marrying one of his patients, which is so it's like so wrong. And then the fall hey. for her when you know all her fucking faults, like we have seen therapists that have become writers. Have we seen Rob Zombie's Halloween? <gasps> I got never it heard in. of it. I, got I almost it forgot to do it. I got it in. Nailed it. But Loomis in the Rob Zombie, it was number two, right? Where he was the writer or was it? Yeah, the he's one? like definitely trying to like promote his book. So, I don't know. I, I just had to get slide that one in because we didn't get it in earlier. Sorry. Yeah, according to the Wikipedia plot, yeah, he's he's researching a book about an extremist Christian cult, which is where he meets Grace. So I guess he's it trying, hardly trying mentioned to write a book. In the film, though. Yeah. In I don't the, know like, where what? it's mentioned at all. Uh, oh, no, I have emergency research to do with the week of Christmas. Be right back. Like, what? I'm doing a book on Christmas. <laughs> I have to go into the city, is what he says. Into the city. Yeah, just, just so that we know that this is not the city. We're in we're in the remote woods. I need to but leave you the city. in in BFE and I'll be in the city later. Yeah. Or there's a possibility of six feet of snow and you have no way of getting out of out of there or something happens. Right. He's got the he's got the Jeep Grand Cherokee fucking family truckster. He's got family it. truckster. But he's six hours away. <laughs> so yeah. Still needs a snowplow. He does. I love the ending, too, jabroni. where the kids try to drive it away. Aiden tries, and he crashes into a tree. <laughs> that was yeah. great, because that, that shit happens, and it's scary, and it sucks. It's in four-wheel. Just back it up. Let's get out of there. Oh, yeah. If the thing's in four-wheel, I don't feel like it would have got stuck that easily, but whatever. Hey, I had a Mazda 3. There was no Maybe way he was didn't that put it in four-wheel. I mean, you take it out of four-wheel a lot when you park, so... You can leave it in four wheel. Like I drive a Jeep, but most times, like if I once I park and I'm done with four wheel, I'll pull it out of four wheel. So yeah, it makes sense just, that Aiden wouldn't know that to put it into four wheel. I mean, he knows enough to completely wreck this woman's fucking yeah, he life. Just can't drive a truck. Can't drive. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. He knows enough to like incapacitate a generator somehow. The, yeah, the kid never got a bike for know. Christmas. He got a laptop. So he figured all this stuff out. Just, uh, they should have made him older, too. Yeah. I think that would have been a little bit more believable then. Or I don't know. Uh, it's so weird. There's certain things that are just so weird. Like, why even build in the whole, like, peeping Tom thing? Like, what does that serve for the film? Besides showing her naked? I don't know. Like, Well, there's a continuity error that you just brought up when you talk about the mirror. The mom thing was creepy, but the repent thing was... Hit him trying to fuck with her as far as like that being the dad of the of the cult, you know? Yeah, and like, how did you even know that she was ever gonna like go and use the bathroom to get like she would have had to have run hot water in that sink to have that happen? And yeah, she heated it up on the fire and then dumped it. I'm saying, it. but you would have had to know that she was gonna pour hot water yeah. into that sink in order to heat up that mirror enough that you would maybe. See- it was her hot breath that we all could see so yeah, clearly. Yeah. She had the hot breath. It was all those ham sandwiches she was eating. They gave her <laughs> and the beans and crackers. <laughs> it was the beans. It was all those Dude, beans. All teens. That house was just full of farts. Let they me were tell farting. You. 
I wish we oh, got yeah. parts in this movie, to be honest. Woof. That's what killed the dog, actually. The dog was like, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> is that going to be your judge? Or is that how you're going to measure this movie, Hyderberg? I have a certain way to measure it. Speaking right. of measuring this movie. Yeah, we should probably I think we've talked about it. it enough. You guys ready to give your review? Yeah, yeah, ready. I'm down. Whatever y'all are. All right. I'll go first, since this was my pick. Bob, I'm sorry I made you watch this movie again. Hey, I agreed. It's okay. I know you did. You're a solid dude. Solid one star for Bob. One star. No more, no less. I'll take it. So my pros, I, I honestly do think there's some really great cinematography in this film. I think there's some really cool camera shots. They try hard. Uh, uh, part of this film's issues are is it it tries a little too hard. Uh, but I do, I just, I dig a lot of the shots that they try and pull off, a lot of the colors, um, the contrast from the beginning to the end, uh, the difference, you, there's definitely a difference between the beginning and whatever town they're in. I want to say LA, but, um, and then the lodge itself, um, I have an issue with like the, they own the lodge. It's like a cabin. They own this. I don't know. It's I, never, I don't know. I guess they own it. They keep their fucking Christmas ornaments there and pictures and stuff and guns. Um, I think there are some genuine unsettling moments too that's set up that just they just don't get paid off as much as I would have liked. But there's definitely some some shots and um, like the score and stuff that just sets a tone that I I get where they were trying to go and I and I and I respect that. I, I like the setting. I love the single location. I, I'm a sucker for single location movies that do it well. The actual lodge itself is just a cool setting. Um, it's isolated and it lends the tension really well. I liked earlier, I didn't mention it, but like the drive that they take to the lodge, it's very lonesome and just sort of like one shot. It reminds me of, the, of uh, the Shining a little bit where like you see how long it takes to get to this location. Like there's no getting away from here. And that mm-hmm. shot, in the beginning just sort of sets that up pretty well as dad's driving there. Uh, and you get the sense for how long it took to get there. Cause people are falling asleep while they're driving. Um, I like the somber ending, uh, but the arrival to get there, like the, it was just kind of slapping. You know, I, I, I dig the whole dinner table scene. I like the ending shot on the gun. Like I like that the gun never goes off. Like I'm smart enough to know that she killed him. And she kills herself, and then someone eventually is going to find that crime scene and wonder what the fuck happened. Um, but it was just kind of sloppy getting there. Um, it's like they work backwards, maybe. I don't know. The plot uh, for cons, it's just, it's just bad writing. I feel like it's a it's a decent script that just should have had a couple more drafts done of it. And then, I don't know, maybe they would have pinpointed some of the problematic areas and and fine-tune them enough where like they wouldn't have been because they just show up so much when you film the scene it just it just shows up man uh and the majority of the film is the plot is that scheme that they're doing and it just it falls flat the two kids masterminding that whole convoluted scheme to dupe this woman and is it's just beyond believable to me and unfortunately like like i said the entire plot rests on the notion that this idea is totally sound and it's just not, it's not sound. It just doesn't play out well for this film. It's, it's a, I give, it's a valiant effort. It just doesn't work though. The father leaving his kids with a mentally ill woman or that he knows was mentally ill at one point. 
just doesn't seem responsible to me. And I'm not criticizing mental illness at all. I'm just saying that like he was aware of this. And early on in their relationship before they've ever bonded with this woman, why would you leave her alone with them for several days in an isolated area and show her where the gun is as well? Like, it's just all so unbelievable just to set the the, 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 the plot points for this film to happen. Like, it's so obvious. Uh, the characters in this just they're just not that likable either, like with the exception of Grace, who cracks later. But the kids are just they're just horrible to this woman. Uh, the father is just so irresponsible, leaving them alone. Like, it's so crazy that Grace ends up being the most likable character in this film, which I I guess is maybe meant to happen. And I can give the, the film credit for that. I mean, a lot of films don't give you a, a likable um, protagonist. I mean, antagonist. So, you know, I dig that. Uh, but it's also I don't know, a negative. I find Grace's backstory interesting but we never really get anything out of it to the last minute. And it just feels forced by then. Um, and the pacing is just kind of slow to me. Like I'm, I'm, I don't even have a problem with the length of the film. It's just the way it's put together. I think you could have done more in that time to keep us occupied a little bit and entertained, um, keep us more intrigued. You know, I was intrigued by the overall like plot going on, like, Oh, the kids are scheming her. That's not necessarily not an uninteresting idea, but they never fuck up, like, except for the dog. Like, it's just unbelievable that they would just, like, hit hit their mark on every aspect of that scheme. They're kids. Like, she's an adult, even though you took her pills away. It just seems unbelievable to me. So with that said, I'm going to give 2019's A Lodge. I'll give it a 4.5 out of 10 popsicles. Glad you used that one. Johnny took it from me before because I have it written down. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> No, it's fine. I mean, it's a valid, a valid thing to say. Popsicles. <laughs> so we're gonna throw All it to right, Bobby. Like huh? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll jump in here real quick. Uh, I yeah, I feel like my opinion of this movie sort of precedes me, which is why you gentlemen were kind enough to invite me on this episode. You gave it a point uh, five. Yeah. This. I feel the same way. Okay. <laughs> like not not much has changed really. Um, I think there's, like I said, there's like some decent cinematography happening here. I think some of it is a little like overbearing. Uh, and I don't like the whole the function of the dollhouse just is unnecessary. It doesn't need to be in the movie at all. Um, I think the uh the isolated feeling is well captured and there's this like very thick sense of dread throughout the second and third acts of the movie that is like nailed really well um there's some good acting too i just can't get behind like anybody's decisions in this movie or like Like their motivations and it's just the movie asking the viewer to things the list goes on and on and on and on and it's just like i'm i'm so incapable of of being along for the ride because it's just so unfathomable to me that any of it would be happening at all. Um, 
Uh, yeah, it just needs to be like reworked from a script standpoint. Clearly, the filmmakers know how to like craft a movie. They know what to tell an actor to do. They know how to direct. They know how to cast. Because I mean, these these kids, specifically the kids, they do a good job acting for sure. Grace is good too. The dad is just kind of like a non-entity almost. Um, but uh, I just can't. I'm just like so annoyed by this movie. Like every minute, I'm so just annoyed. I can't like I have no no enjoyment whatsoever watching this movie. Um, I'm gonna give it a one popsicle, one out of ten popsicles. Jeez, that's low. Yeah, John, um, what say you? Uh, you know, man, Hydroberg, I'm kind of where you're at. I just it, it, the more that we've talked about this, you know how like, when you have a discussion, maybe you're brought up a little bit, and hey, well, I didn't see that. I didn't see. The stuff I did see is bringing me down. The acting, yeah, was fine. Uh, I really loved the character of Mia. I thought she did such a bang up job. I, I, I just, I loved her emotion. She just seemed like an eight year old girl that, when she realized she fucked up, she cries. She's emotional. She's, you know, unconsolable. Um, ate it. He was okay, but, but again, how would he know all this shit? How are you in Hyderabad? You brought it up. Is how are you not going to fuck up some things by doing this? I mean, unless you're sitting in front of the computer and figure out how to get revenge on somebody, and you you've done this before, exactly right. And and it's like like you know everything about Grace. You know like what makes her tick. What why she had her PTSD. You know, and you're right. Not everything needs to be revolved around that. But like when you get pushed into something, and Bob, you brought it up. The second two thirds of the movie, the isolation, the sense of dread felt. That's when it like started catching me. I, I loved. Mm-hmm. Uh, the beginning part where Laura, you know, she she's going through so much grief. She just ends it all. She like nothing else is going to console her. So, you know, that that set a really interesting tone for me. You know, even at the funeral with that with the balloons, I'm like, what's this all about? But like the, the whole idea of that doll being let to heaven and she's not going to heaven. You don't understand. And the dad's just saying, well, we don't know. That's where they go. What? Uh, yeah, I didn't really like the dad either. Um, you know, there was some, it, it, there was a lot of fluff in this. I mean, to me, uh, when she goes out on her own, she's saying, fuck it, I'm getting out of here. I got to figure out, you know, I'm not going to be stuck here with no food and freeze to death. It makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because if you were a, a normal human being, you'd stay right there and keep as much warmth as you can get and eat those beans and uh, eat those crackers, but then you got some shitty kids that really know how to fuck with you. And then when it's too late, it's too late. And it ended with the way you knew it was going to end, you know, showing foreshadowing it with the dolls did nothing for me. I did like the way that the house design looked exactly like the doll house design, which was really cool looking, but that was a lot of wood. Um, so I'm going to end. Hydroberg, I'm right there with you. I, I wouldn't recommend this if you want to watch it. I think it's on Hulu for free. Um, I'm gonna give it a 4.5 out of 10 uh popsicles. Nice. Uh Rob, what were you a one? Yeah, I gave it a one. Also, oh, if you bu- if you buy this on Blu-ray, there's not a single bonus feature. There is not. I just bought it recently. What a kick in the dick. <laughs> yeah. But what are the bonus features you really want to see, man? How they Nothing. fucked up the film. I don't Here's how see we fucked other. up the plot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did Jacqueline give a review on this? 
She did. She gave. I man, I wish Jacqueline was on this show. She gave it a seven point five out of ten. Wow. I That's would love to have fucking talked to her about what we thought and and discussed back and forth what, why she thought it was like. Talk me into why you think it's a 7.5 because that's super high in my opinion. But she's not here, so I get to poo-poo on her opinion. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, well, just no, the yeah, I did ask her. Yeah, it's, it doesn't count. <laughs> she's not here. She's at that dry cereal convention. So. Yes, she is. <laughs> only psychopaths like the Lodge. Yeah, and dry cereal. Without if only there was a scene where, where, where Grace poured a, a, a bowl of dry cereal and then started munching on it. She's like, this is how they did it in my cult days. They, 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 they had a bowl <laughs> of Cheerios in there and no milk. It's like, this is the way we're going to eat oh, it. God. Speaking of cults, I'll drop a little trivia. There's a couple a couple spots. Uh, the cult from Grace's past is clearly based on Heaven's Gate, which 38, 39 members also committed mass suicide in a communal house with shrouds covering their upper bodies. So this ties into that. Uh, Grace's dog is named Grady, the name of the, the former winter caretaker of the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's The Shining. The character went mad and killed his family. So that's interesting. That was kind of cool. I didn't really I didn't pick up on that. So uh, and I already dropped earlier that uh, Grace's dad was played by her actual dad, the actress's actual dad. Um, I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be funny. Yeah, I honestly thought the dog's name was Gravy. Gravy? Well, <laughs> gravy, gravy like you put on your mashed potato. I thought it was gravy. Sawmill gravy, my dog. No, 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 no. It's me, Billy. I love that gravy. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you know, good discussion for a movie mm-hmm. that doesn't get the best review, but it is people, what it is. People do love this movie, and I, they I, do. I, don't, I don't understand it, but more power to I you. I begrudge like, them for that. Like what you like, yeah. Well, you know, and not to spoil I, it, if you haven't listened to the Straight Chillin' podcast, do this movie, but Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critic score is 74%. So Jacqueline's right yeah. there with it, yeah. yeah. Jacqueline, she's a woman of the people, you know? The critics. Yeah. It was like well, 50, 50%. The critics are people, yeah. Mm. I believe they're people, unless they're nah, robots. Nah, nah, they're not, no. It's an algorithm? <laughs> it yeah, it's all fake. It's all fake. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, so not a bad, not a bad uh, review. Um, so Bob, where can they find you? Everywhere under your bed, in the closet, behind the shower curtain. Um, Legally, where can they find you? Yeah, no, if you want to listen to Straight Chilling Podcast, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast iTunes, Spotify, Google Play. Uh, just search Straight Chilling Podcast. Uh, we do a new horror movie review every single week. Uh, we have a new one dropping this Wednesday. We're talking about Violent Nights. Oh, yeah. um, oh so sweet. Check that out. Um, we also have a back catalog of 400 episodes that you can listen to for free. Yeah, just a few. Anywhere. So, yeah, there's definitely something of interest for a horror fan, no matter, no matter what you're into. Um, chances are we talked about it, so check it out. And actually, uh, I would highly recommend... Like we talked about at the beginning of, of the show, episode 400, fantastic. If You need to make yourself some time so you can listen to this whole thing. It's so much fun to listen to. Go on YouTube, check out their uh, documentary, which is so well put together. You guys did a fantastic job. Kudos you to did. Soju for just all that work that he put into there. And uh, what's that one called? 
The documentary solid is one star. Solid one star. Yeah. And I love that. Like, you may not get that title, but if you listen to the show and you go back and listen to some older episodes, you'll understand why it's called that. But you guys yeah. play back. You guys kind of call back that in certain episodes. Why? We do. Yeah, it's so that reference is specifically from our Krampus review, which is like episode 89 or 95 or something. Yeah, one of the old earlier episodes. And uh, one of our former co-hosts, Ross, uh, was inebriated and gave his, gave his like a pretty nonsensical rambling review of Krampus. And just like eviscerated the movie. It was very funny. And at the end he goes, but it was pretty solid. One star. Yeah. Well, speaking of which. It's a great uh, segment, John. What's next week? What are we covering next week? Nice segue, Bob. We're covering Krampus from 2015. Nice. Hey, spoilers. It's a one star. According to Ross. (laughs) According to Ross, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a fun one. That'll, That'll be good. Yeah, I can't wait. Maybe we should get Russ on the show next week. Is he available? Maybe, dude. <laughs> I've never maybe. He's not in the Slack, is he? No, he's not. He's not in the Slack. Yeah, that would be nuts. That'd be epic. Triumphant return. Right. So yeah, we're covering Krampus. I see it's streaming on Peacock, uh, Hulu, and that's it as far as like freebie. Uh, Fubo. I didn't even know who has Fubo. I've never heard anybody talk about Fubo. What is Fubo? I don't know. I don't know. Is that an international streaming site or something? It's also on Blu-ray and 4K. Oh, it is. I have it on 4K. Yeah. I have the, the na- uh, naughty cut or whatever. Yeah, that's call what it. I have. The naughty cut. Yeah. And check is there out actual extra stuff in there. The naughty cut. Yeah, it's got like an extra three minutes. It's not okay. a ton, but yeah, yeah, it's a little extra. But it's so yeah, I have it. I'm gonna watch it on on uh, 4K. Naughty. <laughs> exactly. So you can find us on Facebook, uh, a cut above colon horror review. You can also find us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review, as well as Twitter at a cut above. Uh, I'm sorry, a cut above horror. And uh, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. And tell Bob why you didn't like his one star review for us. So go ahead. And tell me I'm wrong. Tell I'm me. down to hear it. There you go. You gave us a one star. Was it a solid one star, though? Yeah, it was solid. I'll take it. All right. And tune into us next week when we cover Krampus. Uh, it's just going to be the three of us. No special guests. Okay. Nothing, nothing crazy. And um, until then, keep it creepy. Creepy.